and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-equity roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Monica, or some reasonable alternate facsimile thereof. How's it going, guys? Uh, th- this Wayne's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't speak for the infinite other numbers of me. <laughs> I wish I could say that I'm kind of good, guys, but uh, I just got home from Doctor Strange about 15 minutes ago, so... <laughs> did not like it. I did not. <sighs> We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, this is okay. So if you saw our call for comment, we are talking about multiverses today, but not just Dr. Strange. We're going to talk about the Dr. Strange movie. So there will be spoilers. We're going to talk about everything everywhere all at once. There will be spoilers there. We're going to talk about their multiverse movies and TV shows and things, but we're going to talk about the concept of them in general and probably in specific about these most recent two things because they're fresh in our minds because, you know, we just saw them, but it's kind of a wide open kind of show. The call for comments was written by me and Hannah, and then Hannah got sick, so she can't be here. So I'll talk about some of her thoughts, but also I invited a guest and I want to introduce first time in the show. I want to introduce my friend Darby Harn. Hey, Darby. Hey, Mav. Hi, guys. Thank you for hey. having me on. This is really yeah. cool. Glad you're here, Darby. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Darby, who are you? <laughs> I mean, I, just like, I, tell people I, who you are and how I know you. Thank you. I am a variant. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> I am so. I know Mav from, I was a guest on Orgash Ogali Wow, uh, Excalibur podcast, which is was a real treat because I'm a huge Excalibur nerd. And I'm a writer. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant. I'm also a novelist and uh, got a few novels out, including in my Eververse series, which um, basically sort of a literary take on superheroes. And it, it, it one of the core concepts in the books is the multiverse. So I think about this all the time. I'm writing about it all the time. It seems like an everything in the movies and books and TV and comics is the multiverse. So it's really cool to talk about it because um, I sort of spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) And this episode of this show, one of the things that had me thinking about it was I was just like, this is suddenly a really popular concept. Like this is something that Mm -hmm. obviously I'm, you know, a nerd. So this is a concept that I've been thinking about since I was, you know, seven. (laughs) It's been a part of like my pop culture life since then. And as Hannah pointed out, not just superhero stuff, but there are multiverses in other media and have been for, you know, hundreds of years. So I get it, but I don't think it's ever been popular like it is this year. Like we've got, you know, we just had this Spider-Man movie. We had Doc Strange come out this week as we recorded last week as, you know, as people are listening to the show. The week before that, we had Everywhere, Everything, All at Once. We're supposed to have the Flash movie, but it's been bumped till next year but it was supposed to be out this year we just had this Arrowverse crossover two years ago yeah Flashpoint and then we've got um and Crisis and then we've got um like in all seriousness Riverdale greatest show on television Hannah's not here to stop me um (laughs) Riverdale did multiverse stuff this season it's been crazy it's it's just a concept that everybody is super into right now I I find it fascinating because as an old guy who has been reading comics for a long time you know that Earth 1 Earth 2 Justice League Justice Society team up with something I've been reading since I was six years old. Right. Once so, a year. So I take it for granted and have most of my life long before I read anything involving multiversal science or philosophy or anything like that. It's like, oh, there was a Batman on that world in the 1940s. And now there's one on this world in the 1970s. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just it's always been there. But it's something that I never.
never talked about to anyone else because I didn't want to be locked up in this reality. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's the thing. It's the thing. Now. thing. Yeah. And and so like so Darby, so you're using it as an excuse. Well, it's in my book, so yeah. But now again, it's, it's not just me, right? Like this is a thing that like everybody is into all of a sudden. You know, um, enough so that like that literally, you know, a weird indie film and a and a big budget superhero film with essentially the same plot and the same mechanics came yeah. out like two weeks apart from each other right like and again i enjoyed one of those movies very much and the other one not so much <laughs> and we'll talk about yeah. that but but i mean like this is in the zeitgeist now this is like a thing people are multiverses like we're doing this this is what people are just going to be into in 2022 apparent right I, it's totally the zeitgeist i think there's a lot of levels to it i mean one, it's so much the zeitgeist that I've, I've actually sort of retreated a little bit from my original <laughs> sort of ideas for the eververse because it just sort of they all sort of mirror each other and i think that because the obvious narrative potential is right there right from the beginning going all the way back to flash of two worlds mm -hmm. and so you can do things with it but i think what's super appealing right at the moment is that you have a trans not a cross genre but sort of trans genre opportunity to now integrate these varying sort of like movie franchises so everything now is canon because spider-man canonized basically or potentially canonized <laughs> every spider-man uh in any media ever and then you have a little bit of that in dr strange but i think the real potential there or the creative part of it is to just go beyond the inherent sort of bubble of the narrative itself and of the genre and of the medium and then for fans you have just the holy like oh my god you know here is here's toby here's andrew here's patrick stewart mm -hmm. and you have that part of it which is just i think people are really in love with to the point i think most of the re i like dr strange i have quibbles with it but i think most of the reason that people were super interested in it this weekend was they wanted to find out who was going to cameo. Mm -hmm. oh. Oh, well, I, I, I think that point that you just said that you know, canonizes everything. I mean, that goes back to a conversation we've had on the show many times about there is no canon. There is no continuity. It's all head canon mm -hmm. because, you know, even OK, it, well, we'll get to the quibbles with the movie and I have just a really major geek one. But uh, yeah. you know, the, even if we there's that whole idea of the rolling continuity of the Marvel Universe and they still play that game of the Marvel Universe that I read today in in the newest comic I bought this week is the same Marvel Universe that Submariner and Human Torch fought in 1939. Mm -hmm. And that's simply impossible. The main continuity universe is full of multiple universes before you ever go to a separate universe. You know, it's the same universe where the Fantastic Four met the Beatles, except they didn't. Except they, except it's the same continuity. So, you, there is an inherent multiple universe in the one consistent universe we're told to believe in. And I, if that's too meta, I'm sorry. No, it, it, I mean, it works. It's something that people who study comics as opposed to read them sort of figured out, right? Like, it, like I know that if I'm going to read comics, Comics. I have to accept the fact that either Captain America is a million years old, <laughs> you know, and Batman is a million years old or all of his unit, all of his adventures can't happen. Right. And I mean, mm -hmm. a million, not a hundred. Right. Because, uh, OK, so uh, legitimately, Captain America should be your dad's age. Right, Wayne? You're you, yeah, you, you're pretty much exactly my dad's age. Yeah. Right. So for mm -hmm. the listener, Wayne's dad is a World War Two veteran, which he, means he's, yeah. he's, he will turn one hundred and three short, just short of a month from now. I saw today yeah. he's fine right yeah. so so yeah so yeah. that's so that would make him he is kind of captain america he's living at home and driving and doing all the things that right. you know and captain america would be doing so like realistically though if you're going to do the captain america gets frozen and gets thawed out um fine but when did captain america get thawed out because i read a story where he met richard nixon <laughs> um <laughs> you know and that would make him 70 
you know so like like he doesn't look 70 and the same thing with um same thing with batman and spider-man and everything else right like spider-man has stories where he talks about the vietnam war if if that matters then spider-man needs to be 70 or it cannot matter and i can just enjoy those stories for what they were and then you know like why does gwen stacy canonically wear disco because she was born you know born quote in the 70s you know or in the late 60s um that's when that character came into being and until the spider gwen stories all the canonical stories that everybody remembers about gwen stacy were legit from 50 years ago yeah (laughs) you know so like how do you you know how do you do that and you have to accept multiverses in order for that to happen and we sort of do or you're a continuity nerd who goes well no this can't happen this can't happen and which again if that's who you are that's who you are you can do either thing but in doing that you're implicitly sort of accepting some kind of multiverse in order to make the myth of canon work right like in order to make canon happen i would go one further too and and say that it's the idea of like the relaunch is sort of built into the comic publication structure Mm -hmm. like uh even in things where like the avengers and the x-men like every year every few years there's a well we're going to re-announce what the team is so Mm -hmm. it's not even just a series to series re-establishing of like oh this is now amazing spider-man versus spectacular spider-man that gives you the chance to relaunch and reposition as to who this new iteration of that character is going to be but even from within the same series there is sort of this like i'm going to call it like the days of future past when we look at like uh specifically Mm -hmm. like x-men movies where the whole point of that movie was to be like oh we're sorry about the first few that we made let's try again right (laughs) (laughs) there there is a hard reset to the timeline that allows you to continue and i would argue that that's very much where the marvel Mm -hmm. cinematic universe is at Mm -hmm. currently in its phases right now because there's so much of turning over to uh you know natalie portman Mm -hmm. thor with the hammer but everyone is sort of going through that version of like Mm -hmm. just repositioning and recasting and re relaunching all Mm -hmm. the series and i think that's built into the structure for this same reasoning because then we don't have to confront the idea that like peter parker is in high school or college or grad school whatever right like it's it's okay be because he's basically just starting a new degree every four years over and over again Mm -hmm. so i would extend it beyond just um superhero stuff right because if I'm, oh, what can I use? Okay, I'll use James Bond. Yeah. What? Yeah. I was like, James Bond, that's literally why the contracts are like five films max Mm -hmm. uh, before they give you a new James Bond. That's what uh, the Doctor Who is. That's why we just announced there's a new Doctor Who. Right. But I mean, Doctor Who uses time travel stuff to, and he's immortal, to get through this trick, right? Like you just, we'll just keep saying continuity. Everything happened. Those stories from the 60s and 70s happened. It was just, you know, he's just really old. James Bond had, you know, had this problem, right? Because Q just aged in real time and aged through several James Bonds. And then that's, and how, and how, why? I don't know. It just happened. And then the first time they ever acknowledged they were rebooting was when they hired Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is a clear reboot from Pierce Brosnan. Um, except that M stayed. And why? Let's not worry about it too much. And spoilers for the most recent James Bond, but he dies in it. But we know there's going to be more. In fact, in the credits, it says James Bond will return after they just killed him. Like that's just and it's going to be a different guy. And that's just how we're going to do it. And we're going to be fine with that. And I so I think that the concept of multiverses as a fictional concept and we're you know, we'll talk a little bit, I guess, about the actual physics concept.
concept. But as a fictional concept, I think people are willing to sort of accept the idea of multiple canons, right? Like, um, I always think about, like, again, Hannah wanted me to make sure that I talked about this is not just a comic book thing, right? So the one that I would use as an example is like when we talk about, in my dissertation, I call it truth copy instead of the urtext. Urtext is a, a, a term in literature we use to mean the original text. And I always distinguish that I don't really care about the original text. I care about truth copy. And my example here is Romeo and Juliet, right? Like if I'm talking about Romeo and Juliet, if I'm talking about uh, West Side Story, I think of West Side Story as an alternate take on Romeo and Juliet, which is by William Shakespeare, except that Shakespeare didn't write with Ro- Romeo and Juliet. He adapted this poem mm-hmm. called The Tragical History of Romeus and Juliet um, by a guy named Arthur Brooke, which was in turn an adaptation of another poem. So Shakespeare was already doing an adaptation. And so everybody's just doing this alternate version of this. And we don't expect consistency between, you know, the uh, the Broadway production of Romeo and Juliet versus this high school's production versus this one with Baz Luhrmann doing um, Leo DiCaprio. Like we expect them to be alternate versions of each other. And that's just fine. Right. And, and even you know, going this ongoing project, I'm working on my Wicked project, just even in the way we tell stories as human beings, I'm going back and doing research on earliest appearances of some gods mm-hmm. and the same names and the same themes pop up all over the place. Right. They tell, you know, while there's thematic connections, they tell in some ways wildly different mm-hmm. versions of them during the same time and spread out over time. So, you know, all of these gods from 6,000 years I'm reading about have alternate reality yeah. versions of them, alternate stories. So this is just something we do. Whenever we have our dramaturge on, whether it's Marone or, or Mike um, or Nicole, they've all, I think they've all pointed out that the classic, I think it's, I think it's the Sophocles plays. Um, I think it's the Oedipus Rex and Antigone. I, if I'm remembering correctly, we're fairly certain that even though we tell them as a trilogy, they're not all from the I, same Chem- trilogy. Shemmers has talked about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're literally like, yes, several people have told the story of Oedipus. Here are two different, tri- like it's, it's, we just don't have the surviving ones. So it's like, you know, if we move into 200 years in the future and people are like, hey, here's this um trilogy of this Spider-Man character. And in the first movie, it's played by this guy named Tom Holland. In the second movie, it's played by this guy named Tobey Maguire. And in the third movie, it's played by this guy named Andrew Garfield. And that's the way it is. And I know I said them out of order and we're pretty sure that's how it happened. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's uh, like we, ju- we just have this is the surviving pieces that we have. And it's fine. And the reason I mentioned this is because there, there was this one point in comic book adaptation history where the it's always been a question of, well, can we have if, can we have a Smallville on the air if we're going to start making Superman movies with Brandon Ralph? We better get rid of Smallville because right, yeah. it, it will be too confusing if there's two people playing Superman. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, was, can, can common, the world handle this? Common, and like, common wisdom for years. Right. Going back as recently as when they made the first Suicide Squad movie, Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad had been appearing in Arrow, the TV show. And they're like, well, we want to do that now on the movie. So kill them off Arrow because people will be confused if there's two different versions. And now it turns out, nah, we're just going to make, you know, Batman's going to be Affleck and it's going to be Robert Pattinson and it's going to be Michael Keaton. Just it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fine. We're just going to we're just going to have multiple Batmans, um, maybe even in the same movie. Fine. I know <laughs> like and, mm-hmm. and that's and I think people get that because I think that um, I don't think that multiverses as a concept are as as tricky as, you know, we the nerds want believe they are right. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, like I, yeah. I understand this smart thing because I read a Wikipedia article on Schrodinger's cat, you know, like, <laughs> and 
even want to bring this back to theater a little bit more too. So, so this yeah. week, um, I've been reading about a form of Japanese theater where all of the performers are exclusively female. There's also a very popular form of Japanese theater called Buki, where all of the performers are male. Mm-hmm. Male. And uh, but this particular female tradition, which is the Ars. I think uh, review. Um, they are very well known for having staged a production of West Side Story, um, awesome. and this is one that got me thinking as we talk through so through this theoretical readings, but also through this idea of like the multiverse isn't new. When you think about theater, it's specifically the fact that it's being performed by different people in different circumstances. It allows mm. you to create additional readings of yes. what would originally feel like a very static text. And the other place that I want to bring that up is um, so Romeo and Juliet is also seen as being potentially based on Pyramus and Thisbe and then and also Tristan and Isolde yeah and Pyramus and Thisbe is a play which is put on within Midsummer Night's Dream, Midsummer Night's Dream. in which mm-hmm. then everyone is also commenting on the way that they feel about Pyramus and Thisbe the play within the play Midsummer Night's Dream while they are putting on the play and like there, there is this sense of like that's all pretty multiversy too and this idea that like it, it serves this higher purpose of being able to figure out all of these negotiated readings and the way that things change when you reboot something, when you make a new adaptation of something. And the fact that that's all pretty multiversy too, but it, it's serving that greater function of like, what what is the thing that we are sussing out this time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is the thing that's interesting because then it's the thing that's telling us about current society or production or viewership. Do I have a great answer? as to why that's happening now in the grand scheme of things? No, but that's kind of a question that I want to pose to everybody. Of yeah. like, if this is serving a greater purpose of negotiated readings, why do we need to be doing that so much in this present moment? I have a cynical answer and I have a hope. I don't know, hopeful. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah, yeah. I'm curious how much they match the ones I just thought. Okay. Go ahead. So, so, okay. So I think, which I want to do first, I guess I'll go cynical first, actually. Cynical is someone figured out that we can make more money if we have three Batmans instead of one Batman. Like, you know, yes. like, like <laughs> yeah. quite cynically, I want to, you know, I've got a cool idea for a dark Joker movie and it does not fit with this DCEU project that I'm trying to do. Yeah. So what do I do? And also, I'm Sony. I got the Spider-Man license and I need to make as much Spider-Man shit as I can because it's worth gold and Disney is only allowing me to do so much with the MCU so I'm going to have to do Spider-Man outside of this and, oh, wait, I can do cartoons? Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like so, yeah. so I think so I think so I think cynically there's the you know, we can make more money if we okay. have three or five of the five of yeah. these versus one. Here's my cynical response is we all know we're living in the worst timeline and that was my, <laughs> that's my aspirational <laughs> one, right? That's your aspirational that's my aspirational one. Okay. Aspirational one. Yeah, my aspirational one is we're living in a fucked up world where people are kind of wanting to say, Well, what if there's you know, what if Hillary won? What if Hillary won? Could we still have Roe v. Wade, you know, like like that would be neat, right? And people want to explore that. And I think that thinking about the concept of multiverses as you know, the answer to Monica's question, right? Like her her actual question was, why do this thing? I think the thought experiment is calming. This is why we have science fiction, right? Science mm-hmm. fiction is about allowing us to explore this theoretical concept to do this thought experiment. And the multiverse allows me if I can believe in a world where Andrew Garfield can stand next to Tobey Maguire, can stand next. 
Tom Holland. And yeah, that world's this world, but you know, they're characters. Um, you know, yeah. all their characters can exist. Then I can postulate worlds where, you know, um, I will just, on behalf of Hannah, here's your 18th century reference. Um, I, I can postulate a world where, you know, I can do the Dickens, you know, um, uh, Christmas Carol thing where I can say, you know, look into the future and this is what it could be. Right. So like, I think there's a little bit of that. I, I you know? agree. I, so I, I guess when I think about this timeline of, of like the speculative fiction, um, I grew up loving this book series uh, for kids called Pendragon. And Pendragon mm-hmm. would travel to other planets. And it's not quite the same as multiverse because there is no other version of uh, his name is Bobby in those other worlds. But it was basically a like worlds other than ours exist. And it starts with, isn't it cool that there are other worlds other than ours that exist? And oh, some of these worlds aren't so great. And then there is this full circle of like, these books are for children and we've already showed you how fucked up alternate universes could be and we can't stay there. So now we have to go back <laughs> to this idea of like, yeah. uh, couldn't alternate universes be great or couldn't they be better? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, the, the children's book thing, you know, Oz and Narnia are alternate universes. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, so, so I was thinking about that. Alternate universes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this idea of why it's so appealing right now. And I think that the, the fact that we live in the darkest timeline is definitely part of it on the part of the reader or the viewer, which is why it's so interesting. Like until this point, like so many alternate universes that we're confronted with in these stories that we love, whether it's the mirror universe and Star Trek, and they're all, they're usually dark sort of mm-hmm. versions of the, the ideal. And but I think what's happening now is we, we live in a moment where a lot of people feel a real lack of power and agency mm-hmm. and they feel a lot. They feel a great sense of fear about what's happening and the thing is about the multiverse which is so appealing to me at least is this idea that we depending on which theory of the many worlds theory the multiverse you subscribe to you create a multiverse uh, you create another universe every time you make a decision mm-hmm. right but what you what we don't have is real agency in what we're creating we're creating quantum yeah. worlds with our actions but mm-hmm. we don't have a conscious agency over that power right and the beauty of the multiverse both as just in our in the real world and in, in art and in fiction is that you are the author of multiverses you every individual person is a god in the sense that you're creating infinite molecular conceptual quantum realms every time that you get out of bed in the morning there's a universe and, where hannah's here and i'm not right <laughs> and if you could somehow harness that power if you had conscious appeal instead of going back to what we have this human function to recycle these stories going back to the beginning and reinterpreting them and revisit them and re, re you know de- sort of recycling them i guess and that there's a reason for that and i think our way of understanding and learning and growing as both readers and, and, and artists and whatever medium we're in i think it's also us growing as just people and learning how to how do we gain agency and authorship in our own life and mm-hmm. that's the beauty of the multiverse it's one of my frustrations in dr strange which we may or may not talk about but like oh, we will. everything everywhere all at once i think for me i i really love i just my favorite movie of the year and i think it's where you get to see the potential true agency of a person in this sort of arena come to the fore so i'll segue into that because just one of the things i want to touch on really briefly is um the physics behind it all right and this is we are not a science show we're a literary (laughs) analysis show right and a cultural studies show and uh, briefly speaking though uh, there the many worlds interpretation um which is what people that's what we base the idea of multiverses on and 
you, you can read books on this. And the idea is the timeline branches every time a decision is made, right? It's all if a, in, a, in a binary tree, you could always go on the other way. And most decisions aren't really even binary, right? Like, so choose your own adventure. One path you do, you go this way. One path you do go the other way. And like, um, I, I guess to me, most popularly for multiversal theory is always going to be Marvel's original what if series. Mm-hmm. Because every time, like basically the original what if series is what they made the cartoon of for Disney Plus. But in the original series, basically we learned that every time, no matter how insignificant the decision seemed, if it went the other way, the universe collapsed. Like literally, yeah, it's yeah, always yeah, the, a, yeah, the main universe was always the best universe. Right. You know, what, you know, what if Jane Foster found the hammer of Thor? Utter chaos. What if the, you know, what if the Fantastic Four had different powers? Utter chaos. Like no matter what, it just like we, we, we lucked out that we got the right way. So it's never better. But I think the idea of multiverses allows you to do this. It allows you to have this world where well, we can a multiverse in, in fiction is always, well, what if, you know, let's do an Elseworlds. What happens if we change this little thing and then we go this other way, right? That's fascinating. But what we're seeing right now with these movies, like Everywhere, Everything, All at Once, or Doctor Strange, or Spider-Man, is we're seeing a different multiversal concept that I love, but that Wayne doesn't want to see because he's heard me give the talk before. (laughs) Um, But I love, but it doesn't actually come up in, because most people don't know it. We're seeing what's called the multiple histories theory. Mm -hmm. Multiple histories argues the exact opposite of what the Schrodinger cat many worlds interpretation is. The many worlds interpretation is we don't know that we all come from the same timeline. We can't tell. All we can do is we can tell that we've all gotten to the same point that is right now, right? Like you have no guarantee that I come from the same universe you do. And um, usually... Berenstain bears, man. Right, right. (laughs) Usually what ends up happening is you come from a similar enough one that it doesn't matter, but then every every once in a while you can have a major crossover. And that's what I think we're actually seeing in all these films now like because like when in the original what if there weren't like really crossovers the watcher would just say hey what if it was jane foster instead of don blake that got the power of thor and then you explore that right like that was the original what if series or in the original elseworld series you went what if batman was you know 200 years earlier and you had gotham by gaslight wouldn't that be interesting that was a thing that we do but now what we're doing is what if um dr strange who had this history ran into dr strange who had this other history, right? What if Tobey Maguire Spider-Man gets to meet Tom Holland Spider-Man? That's so we're colliding timelines and converging timelines. And I, I think that is the narratively interesting thing that we're doing right now. You know, we're doing these stories where um, not just what if multiverse, but what if multiverse crossover is, I think, where we're going. I'm interested to know if this is something that we feel like it's because we are now more primed for seriality um, mm-hmm. and we are now more primed to prefer this sort of long form storytelling um, in the way that like structurally when TV was set up like the idea of the long form versus like the standalone like sitcom episode was, was sort of this new form of storytelling that was not how things originated and I feel like mm-hmm. in this streaming universe that is so much more interested 
interested in seeing how things develop over an entire season, over an entire series, over the structure of a binge watch. I'll be honest, I kind of always hated the what if comics because you only ever got one of them. Um, <laughs> and like for me, I kind of I have always preferred television as a fan, as somebody who likes the idea of a immersive transmedia universe because it's more opportunities to engage with iterations of one thing. I I really wanted to bring up when we said that we were going to do a multiverse episode, the idea of the exiles, because the exiles is an, uh, is a multiverse comic, um, in which they sort mm -hmm. of also travel multiverses very similar to the way that, uh, America Chavez is able to in the Dr. Strange movie, but mm -hmm. uh, over the course of long form consequences and over the course mm -hmm. of long form storytelling and over the idea that you do not have to sit inside one home universe and that the, like the ultimate timeline is the timeline that exists to someone like America who's able to hop through multiples. Um, mm -hmm. or, which is also very similar to a sort of uh, Legends, Legends of, of Tomorrow, Tomorrow type, uh, mm -hmm. which is probably why I love Legends of Tomorrow so much is because it's like the more reject version of the Exiles. <laughs> but I would argue that it's absolutely like we're positioned for this thing. The fact that Legends of Tomorrow is being canceled right now while Multiverse is, is exploding is very strange to me. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's this uh, new positioning towards long-term storytelling that's yeah. making us care about this idea that you can collide two long-existent histories together mm -hmm. in ways that you I'm, couldn't I'm, before. I, I'm going to throw in a, since you mentioned Exiles, this is just a, a sidebar and then we can come back to stuff. But uh, just in terms of time frame for listeners, this is uh, the day after I got word that uh, comics artist George Perez passed away. Mm -hmm. And we saw him at uh, Pittsburgh. He was at Pittsburgh Comic Con every year. Regular. He was yes. always incredibly friendly and <laughs> nice. Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's my favorite George Perez uh, anecdote with that. I was set up selling copies of my novel in Artist Alley that year uh, rather than working at, at my store. And I was set up to next to, and I'm blanking on his first name, Cavalieri, who who drew Exiles for a while. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name either. Yeah. We'll, we'll look it up and, and put it in the show notes or something. Um, if it was Hannah, she'd have it by now. Uh, I was set up next to him and he was friendly all weekend. He was doing Exiles at the time. He had a stack of original art on his table. And on top of that stack was just a, a single page splash page that had you know a lot of characters on it. And Perez is making the rounds and he comes by the table and they knew each other, of course. And he picks up this page and he's looking at it and Cavalieri looks up at him and says, there's uh, there's 28 characters on that page. George smiles and goes, amateur. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's my favorite uh, George Perez anecdote. George is famous for massive spreads yeah. of characters, but George through crisis. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, just when you brought that up, that side sidebar hit me. So, but back to what we were talking about. All right. So anyway, we can talk about Doc Strange a little bit. And I've been <laughs> arguing with people. Now. Yeah, I've been arguing with people a little bit online about Doc Strange. So I guess Doc Strange is the one that we've all seen. And I think everyone but Wayne has seen everything everywhere all at once, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've not seen it. So we'll start with Doc Strange. We, you know, and I don't think we're not recapping Doc Strange, but we're going to talk about it. So, you know, spoiler alert for Doc Strange. You know. Spoiler alert. So, okay, <laughs> be aware that we might, <laughs> that we're going to talk about that one. Um, what'd you guys think? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to start seems- strong. I hated it. No. <laughs> I, I, I knew. Oh, God. I was a two out of five. I'm just so I, I think people think that I, I've been, you know, friend of the show, Danny Anderson. I've been like sort of friendly arguing. He loved it. I've been arguing with him online lately. Um, also, like, I know uh, another friend of the show, Link, liked it. Um, I didn't hate it. I gave it two out of five stars. And I think people think that means I hate something. But think about this. Two out of five is if an average movie is a two and a half. I disliked it. I gave it a little less than average. And I think people want me to love all Marvel things much. But like the things that bothered me about it, which we'll talk about in a moment. I seriously I had serious problems with it structurally. And I expect that may be a lot of what Monica is about to say is why you hated it. (laughs) Is that fair? I want to come into this by also prefacing. I was really hyped for Sam Raimi to get another Marvel movie. Uh, (laughs) We've talked about this before, but Spider-Man 3, in which I receive dancing Tobey Maguire, is my favorite Spider-Man. Like, that is my brand. (laughs) In which I would kind of argue, like, that was a giant what if that we just let happen for half hour of that movie, right? Like, (laughs) it had nothing really to do with Spider-Man 3. It, It was just a, what if Toby is edgy? So, like, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, Sam Raimi is the perfect guy for this movie. And so I went in with such high hopes. And it okay. totally, for me, it was just really all over the place. Um, logically, for me, it was all over the place. Logically, uh, that was my break with it. Storyline-wise, I felt like it was a TV series that was missing, like, parts of the TV series in order to be squeezed into the time frame that they wanted it to be. Like That was, yeah. I, oh. It didn't make sense. Wait, well, <laughs> Wayne and Darby, where were you guys at? Just before we, you know, just like, yeah, so the I, listeners get, can see a little bit of better take. Yeah, we, we, I think we've talked about this before with the Marvel movies. I go in much the way I read a Marvel comic when I was 10. Uh, you know, I, because I've read so many comics, I just kind of have a low bar. And if you entertain me for two hours, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one did. I mean, it certainly had problems. Um, but, you know, it was a Sam Raimi movie. It was a, an action superhero movie. There were things about it. I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't love it. So you're at, you're at a two and a, five, two and a half out of five. is what yeah, you, yeah, which is, yeah. Which, <laughs> well, and, and, and maybe even a little bit more. There are things I definitely like. I mean, there were plot issues I had or whatever, but like, I don't obsess with that stuff because I'm, I'm someone who has read through 60 years of multiple mm-hmm. universes in the same universe. I kind of expect gaping plot holes. It's not like mm-hmm. those, uh, you know, gorgeous Paul Smith, Michael Golden, Doctor Strange issues made a whole bunch of sense in the late 70s. Yeah, and I would have been, been better with one of those. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Darby, what about you before I say anymore? I think I enjoyed it the most out of everybody. I, I enjoyed it. I had, I'm a huge Wanda fan. I love Wanda mm-hmm. and I loved WandaVision. I love Elizabeth Olsen. She could really can do no wrong. I thought this was actually her best performance in a lot of ways in the MCU so far. Mm. It's It has major narrative issues because it's missing major narrative justifications for what's happening specifically mm-hmm. with Wanda and could have been very easily rectified with a couple, just a few quick scenes. I don't care if the movie's two <laughs> Ten hours minutes more. five minutes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like you, I have a tremendous fondness for Wanda from comic and way back when you know, that whole Captain Quartet era, <laughs> which I read in reprints and Marvel triple action. That's the stuff that made me an Avengers fan. Um, and so I have this tremendous fondness for her and then just destroyed her for all time forever mm. in, in disassembled to, to what seems to be an irredeemable point in the comic. And that's what she's become in all this other media as well. And I, I had mixed feelings. There's that part of me, like I kind of hated the end of WandaVision as much as I 
I like that show because there was the sense of she hurt a lot of people and got away with it. There were no consequences. So I'm not sure how I this is one of the, I, I'm still wrestling with this with the new movie, with the Doctor Strange movie, which is I didn't expect that. And spoilers for Doctor Strange. <laughs> I didn't expect them to go full on. Wanda is the big bad. I kind of expect them to give us some sort of wishy-washy redemption arc because that's what superheroes do. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of glad they didn't go that direction. And and well, unfortunately, the direction they went was let's dark Phoenix her. It's a okay, woman with so, or she has to be crazy. Right. Okay, so here's what I handed it this on Facebook, and I didn't and I didn't want to say because so again we're in spoiler territory. My point was, and I said this I said this to other people where I was like, okay, ten minutes into the movie, the movie asks you to make a choice. You're either going to be on board with Wanda being the big bad or you're not. And I am not the person who's going to be no, she can't. She has to be a hero. Like if you want to no. make her the big bad, fine, yeah, earn it for me. And the difference is, I was talking with um with Danny about this, like um where he's like he's, he said a lot of people just don't want her to be evil. It's like no, I'm fine with her being evil. I mm-hmm. thought the show earned her being evil, mm-hmm. um not evil, broken. I'll broken, say, yeah, yeah, it well, earned her being broken. It earned her being the villain because she's clearly the villain yeah. for a lot of it. It gave her a redemption. I didn't feel she, she was as, as redeemed as um Wayne does, but I felt like it earned. Yeah. It left no, her no, in a no, place. Yeah, no, I didn't think she was redeemed in that. I, I that that was part of my no, problem got, with right, it. Right, right. She got yeah. away with it. And, well, and, and and the justification in this movie seems to be well. You saw that post credit scene where she was reading the dark hold, right? And that's and and no, that's not good writing. <laughs> no, that's my no, problem. No, with it. Right. My, that's but really like, bad like, writing. Like, and the whole like, episode yeah. of television just missing. Right. Like, and yep. if you want, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, you're either on board with this or you're not. And and, and it's like, and, no, I'm not on board with that. I'm not willing to give you. That's enough because that's. That was a different show that, yes, yeah. And I get, oh, you know, but it's all connected. You watch it all. I'm like, yeah, but it, not it everyone was. It was a two hour movie. God knows they've made three hours movie. They had time right. to tell us that yeah. story. Give me, <laughs> and because the last thing I, because the, because she's broken in a different way here. And how yeah. she got from point A to point B happened off screen for me. And you want mm-hmm. me to deal with it so that I can watch your slasher movie. And I don't, it well, made like, me actively annoyed. Cause I don't, I, I like you said, you, so Wayne, you said, you know, can in a music for the entire time it didn't i was watching yeah. my watch and and the thing is yeah. i'm not lying i wanted to enjoy this yeah. movie and i, I was mean, actively annoyed yeah. so and i think i was just able to you know like once we get oh you know once you started killing people at, at you know the, whatever like oh okay no redemption we're not going back and i was like that's the reality i slid into and went with yeah, yeah. And, uh, and again if you'd earn that for me I, yeah. I like i it just wasn't a, and the thing is i knew at this point i know i'm not going to get it right and i'm constantly i'm not trying to overthink the movie i'm just left with this place where I'm like, I didn't, you know, you, you, that wasn't like, she, yeah. like she basically turns to the screen and she says, I'm evil now. We're all okay with this, right? And I'm like, no. And she says, okay, I'm glad you're all, you're all okay with me being evil. Turn the girl over to me. Give me Dorothy. Like, that's basically what she does. She, she fucking shows up and she's the witch and she's the wicked witch of the West saying, you know, hand her over. And I'm like, who the hell are you? No. And why? And again, if you like, if because and I've seen some people saying, yeah, but she was so badass in this i don't care about badassery listen to this show like i like i love i i am the guy who loves superhero stories where people sit around and talk it's it's what i want out of my superhero comics i love the defenders tv series that everybody hated specifically episode four the best episode of superhero television that's ever been made is defenders episode four where they have chinese dinner it's awesome it is is everything that i've ever wanted
what did I like when I watched it, the first it, Avengers it, movie and they have shawarma? I'm like, why is that not the whole fucking movie? Yeah, yeah, Show yeah, me yeah, the shawarma it, scene. It, like that scene. It's, it's, it's the X Men. It's the, yeah, the X Men baseball issues. Right. I yeah, love yeah. the X Men baseball issues. So so I get it, and and I get. I don't expect me in the mind, but I don't want to dwell over this because again, we're not uh, we're not just reviewing. Right, right. I found it broken. Go ahead. Can I beat a horse for a minute? Um, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it's, the thing is, we have our own radio show just for this. So please let it out. You just <laughs> my big old problem is then it made me not care about everything else that just felt yes. thrown in. Like we yeah. gave you gave me so many cameos of people that I knew were gonna die in three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And when they showed up, I literally went like out loud at the theater. And I am the biggest proponent of like you keep your opinions to yourself at the theater. Because it, oh, it made no. me so annoyed because it felt like everything was undurned, un, like unearned. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Patrick Stewart. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, like, Mr. Pat- <laughs> Mr. John Krasinski. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Ms. Lashana Lynch. Ladies and gentlemen, it was like it, it was like yeah, I, I don't care. I do, it's actually making I did, yeah, me angry that you thought I would care and you thought I would be satisfied with yeah, these bullshit cameos that are not contributing I, anything to the story. Mm-hmm. And it was a space in which I was like, okay. if a multiverse exists, give me a like a space to care about it more right. like otherwise i don't want a cameo i don't want okay. fan service okay. the reason it works for me mm. in spider-man yeah. is because then the other spider-men spent the rest of the movie on screen doing stuff yeah. doing something like, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah okay here, here's my fanboy quibble mm-hmm. is in the movie they listed the mcu as universe 616 but it they can't be 616 because the comic book continuity is 616 mm-hmm. they can't both be 616 <laughs> 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 Oh, so, so, so yeah, that, 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 that was the biggest problem I had with it is this makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. So in, in the Marvel comics universe, the MCU is specifically universe one, nine, 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 nine. It's a uh, 200,000 minus one. So one earth, 199,999 is the, um, is the Marvel movies universe in the comics universe. And they could have done that, but they chose not. Um, not yeah. so, you know what else um, but yeah, chose not to, and this is one where like, people are really going to get on me. Um, uh, Bruce Campbell. You had the opportunity to finally give Bruce Campbell a decent fucking cameo as like a superhero <laughs> who you kill in three minutes and instead you made him the hot dog vendor. I sit and lay awake at night thinking about how Bruce Campbell could have been Mysterio in the Spider-Man 4 that never <laughs> happened and the fact that he was done dirty and this was the movie to redeem that and let him be Mysterio and instead they were like, no, fuck you. He's a hot dog guy. I hate you, Sam Raimi. Why would to do that to me. Can, can we split the difference and give you Bruce Campbell, the hot dog guy, but put a fish bill on his head? No! <laughs> <laughs> I in looking it up I, and I apologize the the artist I was sitting next to when the Perez anecdote was Jim Calafior so I apologize Jim it's, it's been years <laughs> so alright that's where we were with Doc Strange again we're not a movie review show so now you know but here's my question because and this is going to segue a little bit into everything everywhere all at once um, which Wayne you haven't seen but like you're not the kind of guy who cares about spoilers so you know yeah I, I would like to see it but, but don't let 
mean, you should, because frankly, conceptually, there's nothing in this movie that is going to surprise you because you've done sci-fi before. Um, this movie is all about seeing how they get there. And I don't think mm-hmm. we need to go in there. But here's where I think it's interesting. And I wonder, this is a question for the room here. I don't think Doc Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, was really a multiverse movie. Um, I think it was, I mean, it was a slasher movie, um, which I think is what irritated, irritated me. And it was a slasher movie with a little bit of magic in it. But it's an it's a multiverse movie in the same way that all the Evil Dead movies are multiverse movies. Like, it's basically an inferior version of Evil Dead. He goes to another universe and does stuff. And, you know, I'm fine with that. But, like, what, you know, the thing that I said at the beginning about, like, seeing these multiple histories converge, like, when you're calling it in the multiverse of madness, that's what it implies it's going to be about. And I think it's only nebulously about, about the multiverse in a way that, like, I think this wouldn't bother me as much if I hadn't just watched a Spider-Man movie that was about the multiverse and a Loki TV series that was about the multiverse and um, you know even nebulously hints at the multiverse in WandaVision this seemed like the least multiverse thing <laughs> and it, it, like like I mean like I get that the multiverse was used but it wasn't really about that it's a slasher movie where we see a redemption story between Wanda and Steven and then we see a little bit of America in there like I, it could have been any magical MacGuffin it didn't really like I don't think the multiverseness of it had anything to do with the story and that kind of bored me a little bit because I think they could have done better particularly because I think the mechanics that they were using were done better in everything everywhere all at once which I just watched four days earlier I mean I'm gonna go so far as to be like I would rather watch a season of alligator Loki in the multiverse of <laughs> <laughs> and and like I think we could all sit at this table and agree that Loki tried really hard but I don't know that we mm-hmm. loved it but it's yeah it still felt yeah. like a, a much more I liked it like, I liked it I didn't love it and, and again and I quibbled with of questions of mm-hmm. multiverse, which I think mm-hmm. maybe that's my question is what do you make a multiverse movie? That's what I have to ask. The phenomenology of multiversing? It, because I, I would agree that they're basically like, oh, we just have to go find all the other Doctor Stranges and like some of them are evil and some of them are all the same. Well, and, they weren't and even doing that, right? Like, that's not particularly interesting in the way that Loki like really tried to think about the difference of what makes a character when Doctor Strange comes to the conclusion of, sorry, sorry to you know spoilers for everyone but all the Doctor Stranges are the same and that's kind of boring right so the thing for me is was it a multiverse movie or was it a movie where they're trying to find the MacGuffin they're trying to find the book of Vishanti and at one point they they run into um, evil Doctor Strange right and that's and he's the you know so that's the multiverseness of it there's only really a couple of different strange variants but mostly you're with the primary strange most of the movie and then you run into one, you know, evil Doctor Strange at the end of the movie. But like the fact that he's evil Doctor Strange is fairly significant, right? Like you could have just as easily been Baron Mordo or Nightmare or Mephisto or it yeah. didn't matter, right? Like it was just Bruce like, Campbell. no. And then we met <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Sure. No, he could have been, right? Like it, it, like, it, like it was just like, and then we met a guy who had the evil book and we need to go get the evil book from this guy. And that's all that mattered, right? It didn't matter who you could have tossed any you know marvel comics magic Super, user in there yeah and it was fine like i don't think there was anything interesting about the fact that i mean it's like, yeah oh because all the strangers are actually the same yeah whatever i mean like I, I just didn't care at that point so like i like i understand well, what they're trying see, to do see, see the loki series implies the existence of an 
alligator Doctor Strange. Right. Or does it? I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, and, but see, I would, and I would rather. So like the most interesting thing in this multiverse movie is there's a point where um, where America and Stephen get knocked through like 20 multiverse yeah. portals and you see them quickly change between different kinds of multiverses and they don't have time to go explore any of them. And that's kind of that would have been more interesting to me because that I'd say is a multiverse movie, right? Like what made Loki interesting is that, hey, there's one Loki and he's black and there's another one and he's an alligator and there's another one where he's a kid and there's another one where he's literally the dude from Avengers number one. And, you know, like I want to see that, right? Like I like that's interesting to me. And I I don't know why I didn't get that in this other and you don't have to give me like I don't want to be like, oh, well, you didn't give me the movie that I want because they didn't. They just gave me a movie that I wasn't terribly interested in. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because everything everywhere all at once is that movie. And is it and like, is it fair to compare them? No, but they came out seven days apart in the in one and one gave me what I wanted. Right. Like, and by the way, like, so one of the big criticisms, I will go back and, and levy a little bit of the criticism at the Doctor Strange movie. One of the big criticisms people have is and I think it's a perfectly valid criticism is um, Wanda's reason for turning into a bad guy such that they have one is this, you know, it's the dark phoenixy thing, but I'm a woman and I can't handle power. I can't handle loss. You know, uh, I'm a mother and I must do destroy the universe because I'm a mother and it's stupid and lame. And like, I would argue that everything everywhere all at once. The Okay, so here, let me play the spoiler alert sound again. <laughs> so spoiler alert. So spoiler alert for um for this other movie, the the bad guy in everything everywhere all at once is the main character's daughter, and she turns evil because she's afraid her mommy doesn't love her enough because she's gay. It's a really kind of obvious silly reason to want to destroy the universe, but it works because the characters earn it. Um, the two of you who have seen it, I mean, I'm saying it like I'm diminishing it, like it's like she's willing to destroy the universe because her mommy doesn't love her enough. That that's the logic behind it. Totally works. I'm 100% on board. You guys? Yeah, I, I thought it was the thing that was most, there's a lot incredible about this movie, which I just adore everything, mm -hmm. everywhere all at once. But the thing that I thought was most fascinating in re regards to the multiverse is that how it really approaches this sort of concept of this sort of existential nihilism that you sort of inevitably sort of have to address when you realize that if everything exists, you sort of probably ask yourself at some point whether any of it matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is there any actual justice in the multiverse when in a multiverse everything just is so therefore it has just inherent it just is and so you have at the core of this movie you have this very small micro conflict between mother and daughter but yet are the most important things that ever were because in a multiverse where everything just is everything has value right there's nothing that doesn't have value and I thought that was extraordinary I thought the beauty of that movie is the way that they confront and ultimately defeat this nihilism which it just infects the middle of the movie movie for me um, with just this empathy and love and sort of self-acceptance. There's a little bit of that with Wanda at the very end of Doctor Strange. I thought the most beautiful moment, if you want to call it that, in Doctor Strange is when the Wanda variant confronts um, Scarlet Witch in the house. And I, I thought that was beautiful. But you have that on a true sort of really poetic level mm -hmm. in a way that I thought really maximized sort of the values and sort of the, the theories and the thoughts of all of this stuff and everything. And I really enjoyed that. And I, 
I really loved it the way that it also through in all its depictions of the multiverse, to your point, Mav, about making it really different. We did get really different stuff yeah. that, you know, like hot dog fingers, you name it. Yeah. And by the way, unlike Doctor Strange, where I'm like, OK, you know, I'm coming here with a lot of either baggage or the presumption of baggage. Right. Like, oh, look, it's a cameo from Jim from the office as Reed Richards. You're welcome, fans. You know, like like there's that. I don't know who any of these people are. Right. Like uh, like I, I I recognize the actors, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Michelle. Yo, I like her and stuff, you know. Oh, my God. It's the kid who played short round. He's grown yeah, up sure now. <laughs> like, like, and I, and you know, I like the thing is, I forget the actor's name because he basically left acting for a while. Uh, this is uh, I'm mispronouncing it probably, but it's Ki Hu Kwan. Yes, thank Can you. you. Yeah. Um, and, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. Yeah, there, uh, and, the, and then there's Jamie Lee Curtis, and then there's Jenny Slate. So there's actors I recognize, but like they're like you know whatever. It it doesn't matter. It's not about that. I was into the story. Um, I always like to do this thing with any genre thing I go would I have watched this if it weren't connected to the IP right um, like I, I said this about the movie Solo the re- my problem with the movie Solo was that Solo is a movie where this is a very generic science fiction movie unless you are pointing out Star Wars things in it you're like mm. hey look there's a Star Wars thing otherwise like nothing happens nothing makes sense and I don't enjoy that sort of movie right um, whereas this movie in everything everywhere i'm like oh my god i love everything about this like literally from moment to moment i was riveted and i want to know and it's like you know i hope i don't have to go to the bathroom because i can't miss any of it, right like there, like there's never a point where i'm looking at my watch in that movie i don't like i it could have gone on for another hour and i would have been riveted and um i was interested in exploring their relationships i was interested in exploring the physics of their world um i liked watching them interact with somebody with each other when um when characters die in this movie, which some people do, um, I feel for them in a way that's bizarre because people, because they're variants like anything else, right? So even when they die, there's infinite versions of them out there. So there's other versions that are alive, which is part of the movie. But like, there are points when certain characters die where I'm like, oh, you know, like you feel bad. You know, like there's, like there's emotional connection. It becomes a movie that I care about and I care about the science. And I think that's a difference. Um, so is a, is a good multiverse movie something where that becomes I don't even know how to say this other than successful I, you know like I think it's maybe smaller scale and and simpler than that I think for me mm-hmm. like at the core we are talking about so Doctor Strange is one in which we are talking about a mom who wants who's like grieving her children and that should feel sure. mm-hmm. small scale and should feel relatable for a lot of people like it's supposed to be the thing that makes the movie humanizing and makes it makes you able to identify with Wanda and not film it for the reasons that we've discussed, it doesn't work. Should be clear, for some people it might, and if you liked it, yeah. fine. But, but in like, everything, everywhere, all like, at once, this is a very large-scale movie where, for me, the themes of, like, nihilism and feeling loved and this idea of, like, is that enough to, to have an existential crisis over? And it's like, well, yes, absolutely. Why could you? Why would you possibly question that within this film that, again, like, feels very doesn't actually feel very large scale it does a very good job of cutting to the emotion Mm -hmm. and the idea that like interpersonal relationship 
are the most important thing. And it is okay for interpersonal relationships to occupy like all of your emotional energy and your living energy Mm -hmm. as a person. And it is okay to have giant interpersonal crises in a world with so many other things going on. And I think that Mm -hmm. is a very validating message to be putting out into the world is this idea that like your personal struggle is the weight of the world upon you. And I don't, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's something that WandaVision and or that Dr. Strange is able to achieve. And so for me, that's actually the thing that makes everything everywhere all at once um, a successful multiverse movie. I, when I talk about why Loki was successful for me, it was because it was this uh, discussion of identity and introspection and characterization mm-hmm. that I think is actually much more similar to the discussion that's being have it have had <laughs> in everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. well i mean if you guys remember the, the thing that i hated about loki is i loved loki up until the last episode where i'm like where everybody's like oh my god it's kang and i'm like who the fuck is kang and they're like well don't you understand <laughs> don't you understand because kang is and i'm like i've read the comic books i know who kang is <laughs> like, like if you know me you know i know who kang is i like i'm saying in this movie in this tv show i don't know who this character is jonathan rivers was really great at being this character that i have no reason to care about because he's not been part of my story for the last you know six episodes and i and so my problem there was that i felt like that was not built built up to i felt like the world was not cohesive i felt like it wasn't written well and this is so the writing in everything everywhere so good the acting's amazing um i mean the special effects are all but nothing it's this is a movie that could be a blockbuster of except for they obviously didn't have the budget you know like there's the visuals so much is done with so little i did actually look it up so it's a 20 million dollar budget for everything everywhere all at once which is basically nothing nothing, by the way in the scale of movies (laughs) yeah for Yeah, yeah, it's that's I mean, that was that's all but making it for free. Um, Like, in all honesty, it, it really is. Um, I mean, there are on a Marvel movie, there are actors who get that much alone. Right. So, Daniel, but yes, the, but that's the and then this is um, I'm watching this movie and I am riveted. I am all in Um, there. OK, so there is a moment in everything everywhere. Again, spoilers for it. There is a moment that I think ties this together. They're having an argument of about movies um, and she's trying to remember the name of a movie and she's talking about you know the movie where the thing the animals on his head and helps him cook and then she's like Rakakuni Rakakuni yeah and then the daughter's like do you mean Ratatouille and she's like no Rakakuni and like the point of that is supposed to be like oh so the mother barely speaks English right so it's like oh haha you know her accent is fucking this up haha funny foreigner and that's like what you're supposed to think until later you find out in one reality she knows a guy who who has a mm. raccoon on his head. So there's a reality where Ratatouille happened, but with a raccoon. And that's what she's actually referring to. And it works because this joke, which is supposed, which comes across as just uh, her accent is funny, becomes a fundamental point of their multiverse that is so expertly done. Like everything about that I love. And then you get to see the raccoon like piloting the guy by pulling on his hair. It is so great. It, <laughs> like, like, it, is, it is so awesome. Like the movie 
works on every level. Like that, that just little simple sight gag, I thought made this I film. It is also the fact that there were they did such a good job of being detail oriented about everything that also felt like it was creating multiple points of identification for viewers to this movie mm-hmm. because there were so many little jokey things that just came across. Like, so my husband and I went and saw this movie and we spent the whole time being like, they know our jokes because uh, his Valentine's Day card this year was literally a you are my everything with a giant everything bagel on it and we have been saying <laughs> you know that they put everything on a bagel you mean everything mm-hmm. like for like six years that's just a joke that we have and um he's working on a movie and his uh has been working on this movie for 10 years and his boss is the writer of ratatouille and so we we spent so much time being like why are there all of these little things that are funny to just us and then like the more you watch that movie you're like you're not special which is sort of the point of it of like <laughs> yeah. everyone thinks that has thought at some point in time you could put everything on a bagel or hallmark wouldn't have been able to make a card about it that i could have given to my husband at <laughs> valentine's day and ratatouille is bob Iger, like former head of disney's favorite disney movie so like oh, there, there's just this like this fact that there are all of these tiny right. little things that are actually linking all of us it is like this additional multiversal layer that is connecting us all to the, the text and source material of that film that I think is so beautiful. So we've resolved nothing? <laughs> I, I guess not. This particular grouping of us has resolved nothing. I see somewhere <laughs> someone did. Oh my God. There's some version of our show in the multiverse where they resolve something every episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, yes. <laughs> we're, like, we're just the most important people on the planet because we've resolved everything. That would be amazing. Yep. <laughs> in that universe, we're like the everything bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess like I still don't know what makes something a good multiverse movie other than the fact that I mean, talk about resolving nothing. I still firmly believe what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Right. Like in a lot of ways, aren't all movies multiverse movies like certainly yeah. all franchise movies where you're going or you're doing the reboots and stuff like I don't know. I mean, I mean, a, a movie is us being asked to like inhabit another universe. Right. So that's mm-hmm. multiverse inherited inherently yeah fictions by their nature are that mm-hmm. well and you know our memories you're talking about the alternate past you know like you and i have had how many shared experiences in the last 24 years right and, and we would tell our stories of those experiences very differently right it's, because it's you know, our it's, own experience right right mm-hmm. so you know so we are creating multiple universes from our own experiences all the time and and we do it with our own mind we remember things differently from one year to the next mm-hmm. um so it's this constant insecurity right. as to factual evidence yeah. are you gonna go do joker stuff now is that where we're going with this? <laughs> this is like a killing joke <laughs> darby thanks for joining us for this yeah. uh, thank you for having me guys this is yeah. fun yeah um, come i hope you come back again in the meantime if people want to learn more about you and read i mean you, you write a lot so where can people find some of your stuff um best place to find me is at my website and it's super simple it's darbyharn.com and um as we record this uh my latest book just came out yesterday awesome nice. in between stories of the universe um a collection of short stories and novellas that are set in the eververse um not a super ton of multiverse in this one but there is a lot of exploration of sort of different ideas and facets of the self which i think is a really cool aspect to sort of multiversal stories so awesome yeah. we will of course link nice. that in the show notes yep oh thank you monica marvelous uh 
you can find me on Instagram or on Twitter. On Instagram, that's uh, at Monica Marvelous with an L-O-U-S. And on Twitter, that's at Monica Marvelous with an L-O-U-X. Alternate universes. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh, uh, yeah, We've had both of those Monicas on our show. I was wondering, is, it, is, it, is there a whole show in doing the alternate universes that are different social media sites? I, yeah. like, I mean, are you a different person on Instagram than you are on Facebook? Yeah, we I mean, we like, all are, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and versus Twitter versus, you know, remember Live Journal? Oh my God, there's some universe exists where where, where Friendster won. <laughs> and everybody's listening, Friendster, because I almost made the MySpace joke and then I changed mid-joke and decided to go with Friendster. And like, I wonder, <laughs> and I just wonder, are there people listening to our show going, what the fuck is Friendster? I'm going with Friendster. <laughs> Friendster was, you know, was Facebook and Twitter before MySpace was. Friendster was the first one. It was a thing where people were on Friendster because, you know, they were your friends on Friendster. It was a thing. <laughs> uh, so you can follow me on Orkut. Um, Wayne, where can they follow you? <laughs> Here mostly. I <laughs> not going to link to your Orchid in the show notes. <laughs> no, no. Uh... <laughs> Live journal. <laughs> no. Hey, um, next week, if you happen to be in Pittsburgh, uh, Marcel and myself uh, and that Hoodspot project they were talking about, uh, I talk about here frequently. We're appearing at the Pittsburgh Book Festival Books in East Liberty um, sometime in the afternoon, one o'clock, I think. Uh, I'll send, uh, Mav, I'll send you the, the link to the event. You can put it on the page. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out what we're talking about next week, which I think is documentaries. I think, I don't know. I lose track. I, 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 I think that's <laughs> the plan. We're going to talk um, about what is truth um, after we just had a discussion about what is reality. So, ah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, well. The, uh, hmm. And now, now this is things to ponder before we record that show. Um, tomorrow for us but you know <laughs> in the future for you um, if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five star review if you leave us a five star review not just a rating um, that gooses the algorithm helps other people find the show makes us more popular and you can travel to another universe imagine if you were in an alternate universe where you had written a review like you live in this universe where you haven't written a review and by track by writing a review, you will suddenly be in the other universe where you have written one. That's science. Impressive, huh? <laughs> it's what you want. Uh, I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Darby for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Hey. <laughs> 